You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Juice, baby. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I am... Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey will be joining the program momentarily. Happy 2019. Hope you're having a good one so far. I know it's been, uh, I know there's a lot of Southern Miss fans who have not had a terrific 2019 as of this past Sunday, but hopefully (laughs) we can enjoy uh, the rest of 2019, ho- hopefully bigger and better things are ahead for the folks, good folks in this region. All right, so what's happened since the last time we spoke? So right before the new year, there was this torrential downpour here in Hattiesburg. And there was some flooding. And I get a text and a call from Jason's wife. They were having, they just moved their house. They just moved houses. Which is part of the reason we had to take a break. Jason needed some, I mean, I needed my own break, but Jason uh, was moving houses. Oh, this is all around the holiday time. So he gets to this new house, probably a couple of blocks away from where he currently lives. And they had like an inch of water in their carport. And it was getting in the water was not stopping. So we went over there. We, uh, we got a little dirty, got a little wet. We found where the, the problem, there were some ditches that were clogged up. So we cleaned those out and everything drained off. But it was it was quite the adventure. And it probably we should have documented that for the show. <laughs> but uh, Jason's a trooper, man. Beer in hand. He's out there with his rake and his squeegee. Uh, he's a gamer. So what else has happened? All right, so Hattiesburg. 2019 kicked off. This was kind of cool. So... Toby Barker, I don't know who set this up. Toby was involved in it. But for the new year, they did kind of like a ball drop. Right on the like in the middle of like Main Street and Front Street. And it wasn't a ball. It was like this three-sided contraption and it had the Hub City logo on it, like Hattiesburg, and then it has, you know, Jackson, Natchez, New Orleans, Biloxi, and all just circling it. The old the old sign that used to be on the old hotel in Hattiesburg. So that was kind of neat. There was a really good crowd for that. It was a really, it was a really cool event. The weather was great as opposed to how it was a few days before. So that was kind of a cool thing going on in Hattiesburg. Now, as far as Southern Miss goes, there's been some ups and downs in basketball, some ups and downs of women's basketball. The big news, there are some coaching changes that have happened and are on the horizon for Southern Miss football. So let's touch on that before we get to our guest this week. So the big news, offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, now an offensive coach at Houston. I don't know what he's doing, but he is joining his old partner in crime, Dana Holgerson, who was with him, I believe, at Millsaps back in the day. And Shannon Dawson was his offensive coordinator at West Virginia before going to Kentucky, before coming to Southern Miss. So I know there are a lot of mixed feelings on Shannon Dawson. I think there were some people uh, disappointed with how the offensive went. Some of that, I don't know that you can necessarily blame on Shannon, but his some of his play calling, I think, was uh, left a little to be desired with the fan base. So he is gone. They should be announcing a new offensive coordinator soon. If I was going to place my bets, I would – Placed them all on Scotty Walden. Scotty was a receivers coach here. I think he spent some time at running backs coach. And he is has a very, very bright future in the coaching profession. If you look at the type of offense he ran while he was a head coach in Texas, um, more of the up-tempo, uh, more of taking more risks. He's, he's, he's kind of the, the offense that Southern Miss, more of the offense that Southern Miss has been successful with over the past decade. Well, was that 11 years now? Yeah. So I expect him to be the guy, but nothing's been announced yet. All right, other coaching news as far as Southern Miss goes. Offensive line coach Eric Losey, the juice, and strength and conditioning coach Jason Finley relieved of duties. We already have a new strength and conditioning coach in place. His name is Jim Durning. He was the strength and conditioning coach at Charlotte last year. Um, if you will recall, Charlotte has hired a new coach who has brought in his own staff. 
So I don't know that it was necessarily a, a thing where, you know, Durning was, um, did anything wrong. I don't know enough about the situation, but if you look at how they've lined up against lined up against us this past year, uh, they were pretty formidable up front. And, and I don't think that they had the same level of talent that, that we did. So looking forward to a change there, hopefully, um, especially up front, hopefully we can, can make, uh, the strength conditioning up front, more of a priority. Well, I'm sure it is. That's why they're making the change. What am I talking about? <laughs> also, former uh, Southern Miss tight end coach Brock Hayes, as of this past season, is now at Louisiana Tech. So you pretty much have a wholesale change on the offensive side of the ball as far as coaches go. Also, running back coach from last year, Les Kenning, is going to be the new offensive coordinator at Kansas for less miles. So, yeah, like I said, Scotty Walden, I believe, is the only offensive coach back as far as the full-time staff goes. And um, he's, he, he's like I said, he's got a bright future ahead. If you have never talked with him or you don't know much about him, look him up. You, It's hard not to be impressed with Scotty Walden. So we'll see what happens. And I hate putting this episode out now because I know as soon as I do, they're going to announce who it is. <laughs> It's just, just that's just the way this works. Some former Southern Miss coach news. So the reason that Les Kenning got the offensive coordinator position at Kansas is because the recently hired offensive coordinator at Kansas took the head coaching job at Troy. Of course, I'm talking about Chip Lindsey, the former Southern Miss offensive coordinator under Todd Munkin. He was Nick Mullins' high school coach. Spent some time at Arizona State. I believe he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn last year took the uh, offensive coordinator position at Kansas, then received the opportunity to return to his home state of Alabama and become the head coach of Troy. Interesting tidbit about that. We are playing at Troy this upcoming season. So I'm glad Neil Brown moved on to take – Neil Brown was the head coach at Troy, moved on to take Dana Holgerson's place at at West Virginia, who was hired as the head coach of Houston. So all this weaves together. I'm not going to draw it out for you, but you get what I'm saying. So hopefully, best of luck to Chip Lindsey. Hopefully he does not get it together until after September of this upcoming year. Also, former former Southern Miss defensive coordinator Dave Duggan is the new defensive coordinator at Arkansas State, joining former Southern Miss offensive coordinator Blake Anderson. It's not really a coaching tree because of all the different <laughs> directions it goes in, but uh, looks like there's you know some former Golden Eagle staffers getting jobs elsewhere, so that's always a good thing. All right, other uh, former Southern Miss coaching news: Todd Munkin, who was the offensive coordinator this past season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was the head coach at Southern Miss prior to that is the new offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. He'll be up there with Baker Mayfield. Freddie Kitchens is the new head coach. Allegedly right now, Freddie Kitchens says he's calling the plays. Um, why'd you hire him? Why'd you hire <laughs> Coach Munkin if that's the case? That guy knows what he's doing. That being said, I'm sure he'll work wonders with Baker Mayfield as well, well as their receiving core. Coach Munkin also had head coaching interviews with the Jets, Packers, and Bengals. And, and I know for a fact he was a finalist for both the Jets and Packers jobs. He was really, really impressed in those interviews if you read a lot of the reports, as we knew he would. So it's only a matter of time before Todd Munkin gets the reins of some program in the NFL. And I really look forward to that date. I really, the exciting thing to me about that list, the Jets, you know, the Bengals, um, I was hoping he'd go to the AFC. I'm glad he's out of the NFC South now, but I just I hope he gets a head coaching job away from the Saints and the Bears. <laughs> so I don't have to face him all the time, but I definitely will pull for him wherever he goes. Some more Southern Miss football news. So it was announced that uh, Southern Miss defensive end slash line Brett backer hybrid Paxton Shrimpshire is going to be uh, retiring from football. He had one more year of eligibility, but due to some uh, – Medical issues, um, he's he's decided to hang it up. He got married. Best of luck to him. Great kid. I know it was a tough decision for him, but ultimately, man, your health, that's that's what's paramount. So replacing him, we have a uh, we got an announcement this week of a transfer coming in for one season. His name is Torrance Brown. If you recall, a few years ago, he was a Golden Eagle commit who flipped to Penn State right before signing day. 
Uh, he started for Penn State for two years, and this past season he had some injuries he was dealing with. So he went ahead and he, um, you know, hung up the cleats, whatever, medical, I don't know what the, what you call it. But, you know, they had him on as a student coach this year, like a medical retirement. I don't know what you call it. But when you do that, for whatever reason, you can't return. to. If you want to come back and play, you can't return to the school that you're at. You have, you have to go somewhere else. So, you know, he's graduated. He's coming down here. One more year of football. And, you know, I remember him being quite the specimen out of high school. That was somebody everybody was really excited about. And a cool thing about that is when he tweeted the announcement that he was transferring to Southern Miss, Todd Munkin replied to his tweet, love it. And I think everybody was excited to see that. I mean, the people that don't know Todd Munkin, I saw some people that ran their mouth about him during the coaching search, but he is he is a golden eagle. Make no mistake. Todd Munkin loves the school, loves the university. He just had incredible opportunities ahead of him. I hate it. I hate it that he left, but I can't blame him. Um, the 2019 football schedule was released. I'm sure we'll get more into this as time goes by, but, uh, basically golden Eagles, this is the year where we have five home games. What I like about the schedule is they are some pretty decent home games and they are spread out. Sometimes you'll have issues with attendance when they're back to back. So at home, we've got Alcorn state first game, which should be pretty solid. Then you don't have another game, uh, for almost a month at home, uh, late September taking on UTEP. Two weeks after that, you got North Texas at home, which should be a very solid game. Then on uh, November the 9th, you've got UAB at home. And then a couple of weeks after that, you've got Western Kentucky at home. So uh, in, in my opinion, pretty solid home slate. And I like how spread out it is. I'm, I'm glad we're finally playing Western Kentucky. My stepfather went to Western and, and we've, we've talked about it for years. And, you know, we had them on the books a while back before they joined Conference USA. And that, uh, with all the changes that happened in Conference USA, we never ended up playing them. So, And then, of course, we have road games uh, at Mississippi State, Troy, and Alabama, back-to-back-to-back to back to back in September. So that's going to be quite the gauntlet. Um, you know, I think Mississippi State will be a little bit down. I don't expect them to be as, as strong as they were. They lost a lot, especially on defense. So that could be an interesting matchup. Troy, you know, changing coaches. They've, they've, they've really built their program up, but hopefully that change will have them ruffled a little bit. And then Alabama is Alabama, but Alabama's always been Alabama and we've pulled it off before. So we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't have any expectations for that game, but uh, I just want to see us go out there and put up, uh, put up a fight. That's all you can ask for at this point. Uh, then we, we have away games at Louisiana Tech, which, we can show up and fill up their stadium for them. And then we have uh, another away game at Rice, at UTSA. And then the final game, right after Thanksgiving, at Florida Atlantic. We'll go down there and take on the Fighting Kiffins. All right, some more Southern Miss news. I know not everybody's watching the Super Bowl, the Saints fans, but we do have a Golden Eagle. He's on the injured reserve for the Rams with Mike Thomas. If the Rams win, Mike Thomas gets a ring. So I'm kind of torn about who to pull for, who to watch, because I love the NFL. Um, and I have a former coworker that works for the Rams. And I think we have some some um, Southern Miss people on staff up there as well. So the Mortons. Shout out to the Mortons. I think Carissa's picture's on Facebook. It looks like they're always having a good time at the Rams games. Or on Twitter and you know, all the like. So if the Rams win, there's going to be a couple of Golden Eagles get some rings. And a former coworker of mine. So, best of luck to you guys in the Super Bowl. Also, former Golden Eagle Brian Dozier, he signed with the Washington Nationals. Signed a one-year deal. Pretty solid given the market that was out there. And I know there's a lot of Southern Miss fans who are also Braves fans that weren't too thrilled about it. I could care less. I'm just glad he's in the league. And uh, the Nationals, we'll see what happens with them. I think it looks like Bryce Harper's probably going to leave. So, who knows what they're going to look like once the season starts. So we're getting close to baseball and they put out a video on social media and on the website. The baseball team has new locker rooms look pretty sharp. So go on the web, check that out and see what you think. All right. So our guest today, Jason sat down or talked on the phone with a former assistant baseball coach here at Southern Miss graduated from Southern Miss started out as a student assistant, worked his way up. He's uh, also coached, we're at Bellhaven. He also coached at Bellhaven with Hill Denson. And he is the head baseball coach at 
Colin Kapile Lincoln Community College. So please welcome Jason and our guest today, Clay Smith. Okay, our guest today, uh, he actually got his bachelor's and his master's degrees from Southern Miss, coached baseball at USM from the year 2000 to 2002 as an assistant coach. Then he coached for nearly, ten, well, for exactly 10 years under Hill Denson at Bellhaven. Now in his sixth year as head coach at, Com- at Colin Community College, a uh, Southern Miss guy through and through, a baseball guy through and through. Please welcome Clay Smith to the show. Clay, what's up? Nothing much, man. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. We, uh, this is, this is, this is the time of the year where, you know, I, I want to get a lot of more interesting people on. And when, and actually, honestly, when, when the news of, uh, that Hill was going to have his, his last season this year, um, you've been a very, uh, you, you are very uniquely qualified to talk about uh, all your experiences with him. And also baseball season's coming up. And if I don't get you right now, I'm not going to get you later because I know you're going to be super busy. So thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, to talk with us today, but and before we get to Hill and all that and your unique connection there, um, I thought it'd be a good time to let the listeners get to know you um, a little bit. So, you went to Southern Miss. What, what years were you at Southern Miss? Well, I, I got the kind of the way my path went is I, I grew up in in Weston, in the town of Weston, where Colin is, and played baseball here for a couple years, for two years. So I graduated high school in '93 and got to Southern Miss in the fall of 95, um, which is the first year of Conference USA and moving into that. And, and um, you know, I was, a, I was a catcher here at Colin, and I went to try out at Southern Miss. Coach Denson, Hill Denson, was the head coach over there. And that's back when, you know, they still had walk-on tryouts and, and things like that. And I was there for a couple weeks, and Coach Denson just basically said, hey, boy, you know, you're not really good enough to play here, so you need to – you need to jump on and be a student assistant and help us out and go from there. So I got, I got, uh, that kind of started my coaching career, but, um, you know, I was there with coach Denson as a head coach. And, uh, while he was the head coach, uh, I got there in 95 and, uh, graduated, in, I believe in 98, um, and then got my master's degree and, you know, was a, was assistant coach there, like you said, for, for uh, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you followed Southern Miss for your entire life, as far as I know. I know you're a big time Southern Miss fan. When when did you when did you first fall in love with Southern Miss? Well, I mean, it's always you know it's always been a school that that uh, you know I've kind of kept up with, and you know obviously just like everybody else, when you grow up in a small town and you're playing junior college baseball, you don't really have an idea. You're just kind of going to go where baseball carries you, and you know, and it kind of carried me to Southern Miss and. Um, you know, it's a, it's a school that I love and grew up watching and, and, uh, you know, really it was the football, you know, mm-hmm. with Brett Favre, Brett Favre and all those guys. And I can remember my dad, uh, taking me down to watch basketball games with Weatherspoon and all those guys. And, um, and, you know, we kind of had a connection because Cole Lynn's got a really big basketball connection with Southern Miss with MK Turk, who coached here at Cole Lynn and, uh, Mike Jones was an assistant there and, um, you know, so Cole M has always kind of had some ties. And with me growing up in this town, um, you know, we've always had an interest in Southern Miss and, and Hattiesburg. So that's kind of how the, how it kind of all started. Very cool. Very cool. I, I forgot about some of that stuff. Um, so when you were at Southern, you coached, did you coach under Hill Denson and Corky? No, I, I, kind of my career, um, coach Denson was the head coach there when I was in school there. Um, and I was like a student assistant, uh, during his time. And in 98, uh, coach Palmer took over, uh, mm-hmm. when coach Denson retired. Um, and Michael Federico, uh, he and I were roommates, uh, there in college. And actually Chad Kaye is an assistant there, uh, now, uh, we were all roommates in college, um, at Southern Miss. And, you know, we graduated and I, I coached high school ball for one year and uh, Michael Federico was the volunteer assistant there. Uh, and when Coach Palmer took over, um, he asked and, and Michael had finished his master's degree and kind of he had gotten a job at Meridian uh, Community College. And Coach Palmer asked me to come on board as part of the coaching staff there. So, um, hmm. you know, so I was there as a student assistant uh, slash manager slash bullpen catcher slash whatever you want to call it as a student. And then 
came back as a volunteer assistant uh, under Coach Palmer, under Corky Palmer. And our staff was Corky Palmer and Scott Berry uh, and Lane Burroughs, who's now at Louisiana Tech, and, and myself when we were when I was coaching there. Quite the uh, quite the coaching tree seems to be coming out of Southern Miss these days. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean all those guys are such great guys and great baseball men, but they're just you know I mean they're just so such good guys and, and know how to do things the right way and um, really kind of put me on a path to you know what I need to do and how I need to do things. Right. So we mentioned in the open, we talked about, well, we mentioned Coach Hill Denson, and he has announced his retirement at the end of this season. Um, what did Coach Denson mean to you? Well, I mean, he means everything. I mean, he, uh, as far as from a coaching standpoint, I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he did, he was honest with me when I went to Southern Miss you know, about my playing ability and, and wanted me to come on as a student assistant and, um, and if it weren't for that, then Coach Palmer wouldn't have seen, you know, my ability to coach and work with other people and things like that and hired me on as a as a volunteer assistant. And, you know, obviously the verb volunteer means volunteer. I mean, you don't make a ton of money except for <laughs> camps and doing some lessons and things like that. So, um, you know, after Coach Denson retired, uh, he took the job at Bellhaven. And when he got there, he did not have a full-time assistant. Um, so he was at, NA, at NAI school, which is a, is a, you know, very good school. And, uh, you know, and they were okay baseball wise. They had a history of being pretty good baseball. Um, but, you know, for, I guess, probably the five or six years before Hill got there and then the first couple of years that he was there, they just weren't very good. And, um, you know, and it was really because he didn't have anybody full time that could go help recruit and, you know, work on the field, coach play. It was just him. And uh, so they gave him a full-time assistant, and he called me and asked me if I'd like to come aboard. And, man, what a blessing. I mean, it's because Coach Denson, you know, most people don't know um, around the Hattiesburg area, but he's a, I mean, he's nationally known in the baseball world. And, um, you know, so respected throughout baseball. And, um, so many, he's been on so many committees and pushing so many things just for the betterment of college baseball and, um, you know, I got to see all that firsthand. And not only that, I got to see how he treated players, uh, how he ran a program, um, and it all led to, you know, to a point where it was prepared me to be a head coach. So PG-rated show, but uh, are there any uh, – I know, I know you've taken a lot of a lot of bus rides with Hill Denson oh, yeah. through the years. So uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I've heard about a lot of these things. But any Hill Denson stories you'd like to uh, you'd like to share with us? Well, he, I mean, he loves a bus ride and he, uh, you know, and his, his deal always was, it's not because he didn't want to fly. It's because it, he always said it would, in, in my best hill dense in the person, they said, boy, it'll take you just as long to get on a plane and get to the airport and get the luggage on there. And by the time you get all that, you'd be at the hotel eating a Snickers and, you know, and, which he's right a lot of the times. And, um, you know, but one thing is, I mean, he enjoyed just being on the bus with the guys. And I can remember in the earlier days getting on there playing bingo and having karaoke and, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that on the bus. And he just enjoyed being with the guys and seeing them, seeing America. And, you know, in Conference USA. Um, you got to you see know, a lot of America. Well, yeah, and when it first started, you know, it was some, it was an awesome town. But they still are. But you know, you're talking about St. Louis and Cincinnati and Tampa, Florida, and New Orleans, and Charlotte, and we, you know, we drove to all those places and, and got to see the country and spend time with each other. And it was tiring, but you know, you look back and it, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So you've been, you've, you've kind of coached at three different, well, all collegiate, I guess, but three different levels. Um, or three different versions of college baseball in, in Division One, NAIO, and now junior college. Is is there a difference in coaching at these places as far as handling the players, or is, is is baseball just baseball? Well, handling the players is not any different. And, um, you know, the only difference is, and I used to say this all the time when I was at Bellhaven, and, you know, in the 10 years, the 10 years that Hill and I were together there at Bellhaven, I mean, we won six conference championships and had seven seasons with over 40 wins and went to the World Series. And, you know, so we were really good. We had a bunch of guys drafted to play pro ball. And, and uh, you know, so we had some good teams and good players. And I, I always said the difference between uh, a place like Southern Miss 
and a place like Bellhaven, um, you know, at, at the time when we were really, really good, you know, our starting nine could play for anybody in the country. And But, you know, the lower you go in levels of baseball, the depth gets a little bit shorter. Um, so, you know, your backup shortstop may not be quite as good as your, your – you know, I mean, there's a, there's a bigger gap between the uh, first – I guess the first team guys and the starters and the bench players and things like that. There's a bigger gap the lower you go. Um, and, you know, that's one thing I noticed uh, going from Southern Miss to Bellhaven is that, you know, at Southern Miss, we had a couple of shortstops that both of them were pretty good to play in a lot of places. And, you know, you get to Bellhaven, and, and our short start shortstop was really good, but our, our second or third was just was a bigger gap. Sure. And, you know, but junior college is a totally different animal because it's it's all about development. And, um, you know, we have some guys in here that come in that may be really, really raw, that have a lot of ability, that just have to spend time. And, you know, you a lot of times in junior college, you have to live with some errors and some mistakes and things like that because they're just not quite as mature and, and uh, you know, and they need to work through some stuff. But that's the whole point of it is for us to develop those guys so that when they do get to a place like a Southern Miss or anywhere else, other four-year school, they're prepared. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I like to think that Southern Miss, uh, just as a university, it, it goes from the athletic field to, I think, just to purely just being a fan in my case. Uh, but there's this permanent chip on our shoulder and like an attitude of, you know, we work harder than you. We'll do, we'll do more with less. Um, you have your indoor facility, whatever. We're going to beat you no matter what. Just a, a blue collar, a blue collar approach, if you will. Um, do you see that everywhere you go? Is is it really different in Southern Miss? Like I would like to think it is, and a lot of fans would. Um, does that make any sense? Oh yeah, and and, and yeah, I mean you're exactly right. I mean, you know, and a lot of it has to do with just, I mean, you know, being a part of Southern Miss and um, going to school there and being on the coaching staff and and being a fan in general. I mean, you know what the budget is, and and uh, it's, it's it's a reality that you know that you know, that a place like Southern Miss doesn't have as much money or may not have the facilities, even though the facilities are very nice, mm-hmm. um, as some of the other places that they compete against. And so there is, it's that, it's that, Hey, look, you know, we don't have as much as everybody else, but we're going to work just as hard and, uh, you know, we're going to get it done, um, kind of mentality. And, um, you know, I tell you what, I mean, coach between coach Benson and coach Palmer, um, and Coach Barry, who's there now, I mean, those guys worked as hard as anybody I've ever seen on as with nothing, um, you know, to and win and you know and won mm-hmm. with with good players and and uh, you know and now it's getting to a point where they've won so much now that they're starting to beat some you know beat some guys recruiting and get some players that normally wouldn't go to a place like Southern Miss or you know or, or Louisiana Tech or Louisiana Lafayette or someplace like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they've beaten out some SEC schools and ACC schools, Big 12s and things like that to get really good players there. And that's a credit to Kaye and Coach Barry and, you know, all those guys that work there. I'd like to think that every time that I've met you, you, you kind of, you come across as, as such a Southern Miss type of guy. So, I mean, do you try to take that same attitude to work with you every day over at Colin? I mean, you try to instill that attitude, um, of, of just a blue collar approach? Yeah, and it's no different here either. I mean, you know, Colin is a, is one of the smaller junior colleges in our state. Um, and, you know, we don't have quite the facilities and things like that. I, but we're working towards that. We're starting to raise some money to do some things facility-wise and stuff like that here. But um, it's the same thing. I mean, we have to work really hard and, and uh, to get players and, and push them really hard. And, um, you know, and, and one thing, one awesome thing that I, I learned – um, is I got to see firsthand Coach Coach Denson, uh, Hill Denson. I got to see firsthand Corky Palmer, and I got to see firsthand Scott Barrett. And um, and that helped me so much because all those guys are just such down-to-earth guys that work hard, they get after it, but they're all so different. Um, you know, Coach Denson is probably – he probably knows how to run a program better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, you know, he started the right field roost. He was one of the first, he, you know, he's literally, he and his assistant coaches went out and sold those gold chair back seats you see at Pete Taylor Park right now, like literally door to door went and sold those things. Um, you know, so he literally built that program 
Um, and then you move to Coach Palmer, who's a different than Coach Denson, who's get down in it, grind, and probably the best game manager that I've ever been around. Um, uh, now, Coach Palmer didn't love a practice, but he loved, he loved the game and, <laughs> and being and competing in the game. And I've never been around anybody that knew exactly when to pitch hit guys, exactly when to get pitchers out of the game and, and, and make the right decisions. And then you get, go to Coach Barry, who's probably the best practice uh, head coach that I've ever been around. And he loves practice and, you know, and, and gets the most out of his guys in practice and then carries it on to the game where he's able to get those guys to grind it out and, and play hard. So um, it's, it, that those, between those three guys, it's been an awesome front seat to, to see the way things are supposed to be done. I hung around the uh, the coaching ranks in high school for a little while, um, but I, I wanted to ask you, can, can, at the college level, can you – can you watch a team take infield and tell and tell what kind of what, what kind of what kind of team they're going to be like? What kind of coaching they get? Usually, I mean, because you can you know if they're organized, if the guys have good fundamentals, um, you know you can how you know what their attitudes like. You can see a lot of that stuff. Hey, there's a lot of times we go recruiting. Um, you know, I may go recruiting and and I'm going to watch an infielder. I may go watch them take ground balls during infield and watch him take one at bat and then move on to another game. Um, you know, and cause that's all the time that we have and, and we got to make sure that we see, see a bunch of guys. But, um, I mean, you can see a lot of times just how well organized those guys are in pregame practice or VP or, um, sometimes we'll go watch practice and, you know, if the teams that practice really well, you can tell they're well coached, well prepared and the guys kind of get it a little bit. You mentioned earlier when you were at Bellhaven, um, coaching with Hill, uh, some of the players that you had, some of the, the, the starting nine that you had that can compete with everybody. Uh, you actually coached a friend of mine while at Bellhaven. And this guy's a huge USM fan as well, and I can't wait for him to move back to town next year. Uh, a guy named Thomas Royals. How good was that guy? Well, he was unbelievable. And, you know, and we kind of lucked out on, on Thomas because – you know, he went to Pearl River and he had signed, Thomas had signed with Arkansas Tech, which is a Division II school. Um, and, but that year also he got drafted by the Colorado Rockies, uh, out, out of Pearl River. And, um, you know, Thomas went on, and it, you know, he, he went to his physical and he ended up, uh, fell in his physical with the Rockies because he had a knee surgery and it just wasn't quite ready. And I think it was the Tigers. I think it was it was the Tigers. I'm sorry, yeah. you're right. And uh, so, but he he um, but anyway, his, his contract ended up getting voided. So, but once he had signed a contract, he wasn't eligible to play NCAA anymore. But NAI has a little different eligibility rules. So he came over with us, and he was Player of the Year two years in a row in our league. And man, what a good dude! Mm-hmm. He's either a doctor or soon to be one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if he's still with med school or not yet, but, um, you know. Yeah, he's, he's done. He's actually done. Uh, he's down in Tampa right now, finishing up his fellowship uh, and moving back to Hattiesburg uh, this summer. Yeah, and what I'll tell you a good Thomas Royal story. You know, he hit over 400 for two years, and uh, he also pitched for us. And I can remember he pitched every Saturday. Uh, he would throw, and it was almost like a complete game every time he went out there. And, Usually he pitched, you know, 85 to 88 range around in there with an unbelievable changeup. And it was really good. And so anyway, he pitched on a Saturday and threw a complete game. Well, on Tuesday, we're playing Delta State, who was number one team in the country at that time. And we were up on them like three to one in the ninth. And our, our, we'd gone through two or three pitchers, and Thomas was playing first base for us that night. And uh, so I'd go get ready to take a pitch take a guy out of the game and bring somebody in from the bullpen. I looked up and Thomas is standing there on the mound. <laughs> and I said, Thomas, man, look, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm, go- I'm coming in. I mean, we had to get one guy out. It was it. It was three outs and we win the game. And I was like, no, you know, we got so-and-so warm. He's like, coach, I, if I want this on me. So I gave him the ball and he threw three fastballs that were over 90. It's like, <laughs> you know, 90, 91, 92 and it blew the guy away and we won the ball game. And, Man, he was a competitor, and he's a very smart guy and a great guy. So the year this, – this is my funny story about 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 Thomas. Is there, I call him T-Row. And um, so we're playing semi-pro, right? 
uh, a bunch of us washed up. You remember Cliff Wren? You remember Caleb Brown? Yeah. Um, oh, the Hattiesburg Black Sox. Yeah, well, this was this was another deal. We're the Hattiesburg A's. We kind of rivaled them, but uh, but the same type of deal. Just you know, beer in the dugout, the whole thing. So um, a, a couple of Bellhaven guys, a guy that I coached in high school, Josh Speed, was playing with us, and right. um, so he brought a few guys with him one weekend uh, to come play with us. And one of the guys was uh, was was Thomas. I don't know anything about anything. All I'm doing is I'm making out the lineup. I'm going out there. I'm playing second base and whatever. So he plays that game with us, and he's he's awesome. I, but I, I put him, I played him at first base, and batted him ninth. <laughs> <laughs> so so he plays like several games with us, and after a while, I kind of moved him up the lineup, and still didn't really know him that well. Um, then that next year. At Bellhaven, um, he's leading the country in everything, and he's up for the Boo Ferris Award. <laughs> yeah. So I called him. I said, "Look, man, I just wanted you to know that you know I I I, I wasn't aware that you were uh, you know awesome like this." He said, "Man, I'm just glad you allowed me to come and play." So talk about a good dude that he was. That was that was very cool. Yeah, he's he a, a huge USM fan. fan. Um, oh yeah, he is, and he uh, he is. He grew up in Hattiesburg and went to Lumberton High School. Um, you know, so he, but he's a good one. He loves Southern Miss also. You know, honestly, that kind of leads me down a little bit different road. I, I know you said that he, he, he signed with Arkansas, uh, Arkansas, uh, Tech or whatever you said. Tech. But yeah. he, I know he was recruited by USM. He, he's talked about the recruiting visits that he had. You know, one thing that kind of, I think kind of shied him away was just the amount of scholarship that you can get. So you being in the coaching world, um, for those that don't know, baseball is extremely limited. Um, guys like this, who is a superstar talent, th- th- there's only 11.7 scholarships per team in Division One um, for a team yeah. that has over 30 players. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic. C- can you talk about? Can you speak to the? I guess your thoughts on on how those rules shake out, or uh, just I mean, just, just the limitations that are involved, or the amount of creativity you have to use as far as issuing scholarships. Yeah, it's it's really tough and it's really discriminatory. To be honest with you, I mean it's, um, you know, you look at, you, you know, you look at baseball, um, and basically, you know, kind of where they came up with the rules as far as the scholarships and things like that go, all revolve around, uh, I guess, fan base and revenue. And um, you know, when baseball kind of really started going it in in college baseball, um, you know, they, they, they still, to this day, the NCAA does not consider baseball a revenue producing sport, which is beside me. It's just dumb. Um, but basically the way the scholarships work, like you mentioned is baseball is allowed 11.7 scholarships by the NCAA. And that's the, that's the divide up between basically 27 guys on your roster. And, you can have 35 guys total at the Division One level uh, certified eligibility-wise, and I think I'm pretty sure that you can only have 27 on scholarship. And, you know, not only that, at one point, I'm not sure if it's still the same this way now, but at one point the least you could get somebody was like 25%. And, you know, so that makes it a real struggle. So you got to fill a roster out with 11, basically 11 full scholarships. You have mm-hmm. to have 35 players with 11 full scholarships. And the bad thing about it is, you know, you take, you mentioned Thomas Royals and, you know, he was an outstanding student. You know, he had like a 28 or 29 on his ACT, you know, which would allow them to get a lot of academic scholarship money. But um, a lot of the rules have changed now and there's some things that are different. But, you know, back when Thomas was coming through, they, they couldn't stack academic and athletic aid. Um, so it was called basically it was institutional aid. So any any aid that they received from the school counted towards their eleven point seven scholarships. Um, so they had to basically choose one or the other. You know, you had to choose to get an athletic scholarship or an academic scholarship. And that you know, guys with really good grades, that kind of would shy them away a little bit because they have to make that choice. Um, now, some of those rules have changed a little bit because there are some institu- there is some institutional aid now that they can use and it's not countable. But, you know, you take a sport like football, um, which obviously is a revenue-producing sport and, and things like that, and they have 85 fulls. 
So, you know, they have 110, 100 people on their team, and 85 of those guys are on full scholarships. Um, you know, so it's – I don't like using the word not fair, but it's not fair. Um, and, you know, that's why you see so many athletes uh, that should be playing college baseball that go on to go on to a major league draft mm-hmm. or they decide to play a different sport. You know, they may be a three-sport athlete in high school, um, and really good in basketball, really good in football, and really good in baseball. And they, because of the scholarships, they a lot of times they lean towards football or basketball because of the scholarship situation. And um, so it makes it tough. Absolutely. Um, you you talked about uh, playing a lot of sports right there. You, as far as the different sports we played, it made me start thinking about as a as a coach. Um, is it important for kids? Like I have a nephew right now who's, who's playing at Brandon High School. Really good player. He's kind of only playing baseball. He's been doing that for a while. Uh, I think he got into soccer and karate for a little bit, but didn't like either one of them. He loves baseball to death. Um, and, and that's important. Don't get me wrong. Um, what are your thoughts on playing a lot of different sports? Do you think it's beneficial to play different sports? Should you focus on one thing as a as as a as a kid and then moving on into junior junior uh, high school or uh, what what are your thoughts on 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 just doing it that way? Just limit it to one or just go with a lot? No, I think it's great that you that guys play sport. I mean, anybody that plays as many sports and does as many extracurricular activities as they can and that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to get to a point, at some point, they're going to get to a point where they're, um, you know, that they may not be quite as talented enough in one sport or the other, and they want to focus on on just baseball or just football or soccer or whatever it may be. But as long as they can compete and as long as they enjoy it, they need, I mean, it's great because it helps out with their athletic ability, competitiveness. They need to be, you know, they're around different teammates and things like that. And, you know, not only that, um, Baseball is a sport where guys need a break every once in a while. I mean, their arm needs a break. And, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, you've seen uh, arm surgeries and things like that just skyrocket probably over the last 10 or 15 years. And all of it has to do with because of the specialization and guys throwing and playing year-round. And, and um, you know, there's only so much that your body can take. And, um, you know, even with us, I mean, we're trying to compete, but we we still give our guys a break. I mean, we shut our guys throwing down around Thanksgiving every year. And, you know, we tell them don't pick up a ball again until after New Year's. And, um, you know, because they, they just need a break and need their arms to take a break. So playing another sport is always good for that. And not only that, it helps them keep if – they, if, if they're really good at baseball and they play soccer or play basketball, it helps them keep in shape for that. If they enjoy it. Who's the best player you've ever seen in a Southern Miss uniform? Oh man, that's a tough one. They, they, there's been some good ones to come through there. Um, you know, I, I tell you what, probably the best, uh, probably the best hitter uh, all around is probably uh, Jared Hoffpower. They came through there. I mean, the dude struck out like four times. I think his junior year. Um, you know, he could really hit. I can remember Coach Palmer. Uh, bringing us in the office for a staff meet and, and telling us and just saying, look, if anybody messes with off fire swing, you're all fired. <laughs> just let the just let the guy go hit. And um, but he could really hit. And um, but you know Kyle Logan uh, that played sure uh, back in the late '90s, um, he could really really play. Um, very good athlete. I think he ended up in AAA with the Houston Astros and maybe made it to the big leagues uh, for a cup of coffee. Um, he was a really good player, um, but there's been some good, really good ones to come through there. And um, you know, one thing like you mentioned earlier too is there's a lot of guys that that came through there that weren't really highly recruited guys at a high school. Um, you know that that came in and learned and got bigger and stronger and ended up being draft picks or going on to play pro ball or having just successful college careers that were you know. Really, really good players, um, and they're all good dudes too, for the most part. They, you know, that are there. Uh, got you know, guys like Matt Shepard, I think about, um, who I coached one year in high school and came in and, and started about halfway through his freshman year and never came out of lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Brad Wilcut, you know, 
Uh, think about guys like uh, Bob McCrory that pitched there and, and Anthony DeWitt, all those guys. None of those guys were really highly recruited guys. Um, you know, and they came in and had great careers and went on to play pro ball and, and uh, you know, and did a great job. Rank what matters the most to you as far as, like, like when you go recruiting a player, grades, character, or talent? Uh, probably, well, I, I will tell you this. I, I want to say character probably means more than anything else. Um, at my, I hate to say this because I preach to our guys about their grades so much, but the way eligibility works in junior college, that's not my first concern come out of high school. Um, now it's my job as a coach to get those guys to understand that they need to have good grades and go to class and do what they're supposed to do sure. to move on to a four-year school, but that's not a first priority coming out of high school. Um, but obviously, um, you know, talent's going to attract us to guys, but that's not it. I mean, if we see a guy that's talented and that we feel like can play, uh, obviously that's going to make us go watch them and see them. But, it, you know, whether, you know, as soon as we see any red flags character-wise or anything like that, you know, it doesn't matter about the talent. Um, because, if you know, it, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're not going to put in the work and, and uh, you know, you're not going to be a good guy or a great teammate, um, it doesn't really do much good. Um, you know, talent can win a lot of ball games, but it can win a whole lot of games if you have guys that are talented and have character. Um you know, but but that that's probably to attract us to players is talent. But whether we want to sign them or continue to pursue them, it all goes back to character. Right. Uh, what's more important? Uh, and I have I have four scenarios here. So more important to you, average or power? Uh, average. Strikes or strikeouts? Strikes. Being strong or being in shape. Being in shape, and I'll, I'll say this too: it's more about being uh, flexible and having some mobility. Not so, not really being in shape, but having some mobility. And last one, maybe you can expand on this one a little bit: mental toughness or physical toughness? Uh, mental toughness is is by far outweighs physical toughness, um, especially in a game of baseball um, where you want to just rip your hair out. Um, you know, about, about 70% of the time, um, you know, because it's such a game you've heard this, it sounds cliche and all that, but baseball is a game, a game revolves around failure. And, um, you know, at the plate, you know, I've heard it and said it and heard people say it a thousand times, you know, if you, if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're an Mm all-star or you're an all-conference guy. Um, you know, if you, if you, or throw out 30% of runners behind the plate, you've done pretty good. Um, you know, if you make 15 or less errors as a college shortstop, you've done a pretty good job. And, um, you know, and that's filled at about 90%. So, um, you know, you, you know, it's a whole game that revolves around failure. So we probably spend more time on mental stuff than we do physical stuff with our guys, just trying to get them, help them overcome adversity understand that when they make a mistake, they have to move on. And, um, you know, I don't like to say kids are different because kids aren't different these days that we coach. They just have the society's different. So they have different, they have access to a lot of different things that, that I didn't have when I was in college. They have, uh, access quicker to things. They have access to information. Um, and, you know, Lane Burroughs used to call it the, uh, the reset generation where they play a video game and, if they look like they're about to get killed, they just click reset to start <laughs> over again. And, um, you know, but they, uh, but they just have to learn to deal with failure. And a lot of times these kids have had stuff handed to them, um, you know, either by their parents or coaches or things like that have never dealt with any kind of failure. And so when they get to us and they do, they don't know how to handle it. And that's, that's real important that they learn how to handle that failure. Sure. Couldn't agree more. Um, a few more things, and we'll get you out of here. Um, the Golden Eagle squad this year, I don't know if you know a lot about them. I know you're busy over there in Wesson, but um, everybody knows about Matt Walner. So I want to get you. I want to get a few predictions on uh, on certain stats that Matt Walner might have this year, and then we'll, we'll we'll revisit it after the season's over. How about that? Sounds good. 
How many home runs is, does Matt Wallner hit? I'm I'm going with close to 20 this year. I mean, I think he wanted to get 18 last year. I believe so, somewhere around there. Something something like that. Hit 18 last year, so I, I'm saying close to 20. And you know, he, the older he gets, the the uh, scouting reports get out on him. He gets pitched different, but I mean, I'm he, he he'll probably be close to 18 to 20 again this year. How many wins does Matt Walner have on the mound? I well, I don't know what the role they're going to use him in this year. You know, he didn't pitch a ton last year, and a lot of that I think had to do with an injury that he had, uh, from what I understand. Um, you know, I think with his hip or something like that. But um, I, from talking to Coach Ostrander, I think he's going to see a little bit more time on the mound this year. They may be using a starter some. Um, so I don't want to put a win total on him uh, because I don't know what his role is going to be exactly, but. I do know this. I know the guy could be a top, you know, three-round pick as a position player or as a pitcher, uh, depending on what scout likes him, you know, in that role. You know, I know he's he's very very talented in, in both sides, you know, as a as a pitcher and as a position player. Average at the plate. Walner, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh he's he'll it'll probably be three forty or better. Um. You know, it's it, he's he's consistently done that. Um, and uh, you know, one thing that's a little bit different is uh, since he's been there, he's had some guys sitting around him in the lineup that's kind of helped him out a little bit. Uh, and um, he, I don't know that he's got that uh, at the beginning of the season, but I think that some of those guys develop and kind of work their way in the lineup a little bit. Um, he's gonna he's gonna have some guys sitting around him that's gonna help him see better pitches to hit, but. You know he, I, I don't see him. You know he'll three forty with eighteen to twenty jacks. It's probably uh, about par for the course for him. <laughs> right. So last one, uh, drafted over or under the fiftieth over, overall pick. I would say probably uh, under. He's probably going to go up there pretty good. Um, you know, and he's he's going to. I mean, it's going to have a decision he's going to have to make. I mean, he's. He's got some serious, serious arm talent. He's got some serious, serious uh, power in his bat. Um, you know, and he I've watched him play. You know, he's got a few a few kinks in his swing and things like that, but it's kind of like uh, the high power situation. I mean, it's not, you know, it's it's uh, some of his power and his ability, his hand-eye coordination kind of takes over from some of that. So, um, but he, he he's going to have some decisions to make as far as the draft, money, and things like that. He's a, such a talented guy, and um, I haven't been around him much, but from talking to the coaching staff, he's a he's a really good guy too. What's uh what's Colin going to look like this year? Well, we're very young. I know that sounds bad when you're in junior college and you say you're young because they're all <laughs> fresh with the sophomores, but um, we had a really big sophomore class last year. So I think we had 15 sophomores last year. We had I think 12 of those guys go on to play a four-year school. Um, and so this year it kind of flipped back. I think we've got 16 or 18 freshmen on the team this year. Um, you know, we've got some really talented guys. We've got um, a shortstop that's already, you know, interviewed and worked out for some uh, some professional scouts. We've got an outfielder that, uh, you know, was a recruit, Division One recruited athlete and just decided to go the junior college route. He's here with us. He's a really good player. Um, you know, one of the things, to be completely honest uh, with us, with the size of the school, and this kind of goes back with you saying having a blue-collar mentality and things like that, is we don't have a ton of arms that are just overpowering. Um, so our guys are really going to have to throw strikes and, and pitch and, 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 you know, get the ball put in play where we can play defense. But one thing that I love about our guys is they're a great group of guys. They're great teammates. Um, I think we had a three, four teams EPA at, at, uh, in the fall semester. Um, so they're great students and they want to listen and work hard. So, um, you know, it's, it's constantly working. And, and like I said, you know, I, I want to win. I want to win as bad as anybody, but the main priority here at junior college level is to develop these guys and get them ready to go into a four-year school. So, so hopefully they'll go to a place like Southern Miss or some other schools around the country that they can play at and succeed at. Absolutely. Um, so, so what do people need to know about coming to some Coland games this year? We, we have listeners from over in that area. Might just be looking for some baseball, can't make it to the Pete that weekend or whatever. Um, are there season tickets available, packages? Like, 
when does the season start? Yeah, we'll have some season tickets that'll be online. Our schedule's online right now. Uh, we open up February the fifteenth. And hey, look, wow. I'll tell you this: you know, anybody that listens to the, anybody's listening to this, if you want to watch some good baseball, go watch the MACJC. Go watch our league. Um, you know, whether it be Colin or anybody else, there's some good baseball. And you know, we had the Marlin Scout was over here. Uh, Mark Willoughby with the, uh, was over here for our first practice the other day, and he he and I were talking about that about the guys that are playing in the big leagues that came out of our league. Um, just in the last few years, and it's really, really good baseball, and um, you know, and there's some really nice facilities, and and uh, but it's you know, you want to come over here and watch Colin play, and you're gonna see some guys that are getting after it. Um, you're gonna see some good baseball. You're gonna see some guys that are gonna be well coached, and they're gonna they're gonna play hard. Um, you know, and the good thing about it is, it's right here. It's five dollars to get in for a ticket. <laughs> you know, so you right. come and watch double. Come watch a doubleheader for five dollars, and, uh, and you know, enjoy yourself and get get to watch a lot of good baseball. And I'm sure people can follow along uh, on Twitter, and uh, I'm, I'm assuming just if, if nothing else, the website or anything like that. Um, just Colin Colin Athletics on uh, baseball on Twitter and Facebook and all that. Yeah, we have a Colin baseball Twitter. We have Colin athletics twitter that does uh you know does inning by inning scores we also live stream all of our league all of our conference games so you can get on you can get on the computer and watch a game a home game uh that's live streamed um and it's really good i mean we've got three or four different camera angles and, and uh you know and a broadcaster and everything else so we you know our it, it's a really good deal so people that are out of town that want to catch a game on the computer they can just log on and, and watch a live stream watch us play that's awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it, man. Um, thanks so much for spending some time with us tonight. Uh, hopefully you can get away and catch a game or two at the Pete this year. If you do, definitely hit us up or hit me up and um, love to uh, chop it up with you out there. Um, and we always end, this, end the interviews the same way, so Southern Miss. To the top. Clay Smith, a lot of baseball jibber-jabber on there. It was a good time. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, shout out to Clay's wife, Carrie, old classmate of mine. She's a sweetheart. Hope you guys are doing well. So, the show right now, to the top talk. So, we're getting back in the mix with things. We've got baseball coming up. We haven't talked a lot of basketball this year. It's been a a sore subject (laughs) for the staff here at To The Top Talk. But uh, I'm sure we'll keep you updated as to what's happening with that. I know we have two home games this week. We've got Western Kentucky Thursday night, and we have another home game Saturday. So if you want to come out and support the players, you know they, they certainly deserve it. And and hopefully somehow we can right the ship. We don't have uh, – I'm not going there. We don't have WCU on the schedule anymore this year. So <laughs> those guys, man, they, they're so much better than that. All right, so like we're talking about the show. So there's a lot going on right now, particularly with me and Jason. So we're going to try to get episodes out uh, as often as we can, hopefully weekly. It may not happen as such. There are some changes going on in uh, my life in particular. And, and Jason's you know, got the youngin' right now, just moved. So just bear with us as we get back into this. Hopefully, and have you know, we hopefully we'll have some great guests lined up coming up, some great interviews, some great insights into what is going on with Southern Miss. I got some some names that I want to get a hold of. Jason's got a list that he wants to get a hold of and bring on the show. So hopefully, we can do that for you guys. All right, let's shut it down. Special thanks to our guest Clay Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at Clay Smith underscore eight. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington and Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook as well. And to the top talk is on Instagram. Having a great time over there, so be sure you go check it out. I don't have any comedy shows coming up. I should have some announced in the next few weeks. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Tire Tracks. That is a new uh, tire slash repair store out there on 98 West. Michael Carlisle, an old friend of mine. He's, I see him at all the Southern Miss games. At the, I see running to him tailgating. He's out there at baseball. Uh, him and Dustin do a great job over there. I've had some issues that that uh, they're not paying for this, by the way. I just want to give them a shout out because I was really impressed with the work they did. And I went to probably three or four different repair shops, and they 
they analyzed the, the problem and fixed it that day and at least told me what I was going to need to do to get it fixed. And they were very fair. So be sure if you're getting tires, you're getting any kind of repairs, go over there and check out uh, my friends over at Tire Tracks. They're doing a great job. All right, so be sure you follow the podcast wherever your podcast may be heard. iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review. That helps us out. Tell your friends, spread the black and gold gospel. And as always, Southern Miss to the top.